be the person you needed when you were younger. That's my quote. I needed someone to fight for me when I was in school. I had academic difficulties, ADHD. That's my driving force now is I do not want my kids going through that. So be the person you needed when you were younger. I loved it. I'm going to use that today and moving forward because there were some people I needed when I was younger. Mm, Yep. I just love that. Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. Today's show, we'll be discussing special needs and the doctor's dance. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name is Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. And before I introduce you to our guest today, I'd like to start by sharing our community's code. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truth, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment one day at a time. Esther and Jerry Hicks call it the science of deliberation, and we call it the answer to all of our prayers. So let's continue this journey by getting centered and sitting up straight and the spine erect and let your eyes fall shut and lift your gaze to that space between your eyebrows and just breathe and take in the sounds that are around you, take in how your body feels and don't judge what kind of thoughts come across your, your head at this time. And I'll start by sharing a little prayer. Heavenly Mother, Father, Friend, Great Spirit, Divine Consciousness, Wondrous Nature, and Saints of all religions, we come together as brothers and sisters on a similar quest to better understand ourselves, our divine calling, and how to be the best version of ourselves and parents for our children. We ask for guidance and the ability to accept life on life's terms. May each listener feel an inner sense of peace and calm in our hearts today. May we feel love and spread love. Om, peace, amen. So we'll do a short body scan, which is something that has been fantastic for me. Um, It helps me clear my mind when the racing thoughts won't stop. So continue to sit with your eyes closed 
and your spine erect and and continue to breathe breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth and then start to lengthen the breath so longer inhale hold exhale let's do that two more times slow inhale through the nose hold exhale and then one more time inhale Hold for as long as it's comfortable. And then exhale and let it all go and just relax. And feel that peace and that space and calm. Now slowly bring your attention down to your feet. Begin observing the sensations in your feet. You might wanna wiggle your toes a little feeling your toes against your socks or shoes. Just notice without judgment. You might imagine sending your breath down to your feet as if the breath is traveling through the nose to the lungs and through the abdomen all the way down to your feet. and then back up again through your nose and lungs. Perhaps you don't feel anything at all, that's fine too. Just allow yourself to feel the sensations of not feeling anything. When you're ready, allow your feet to dissolve in your mind's eye and move your attention up to your ankles and your calves, knees and thighs. Observe the sensations you're experiencing throughout your legs. Breathe into and breathe out of the legs. If your mind begins to wander during this exercise, gently notice this without judgment and bring your mind back to noticing the sensations in your legs. If you notice any discomfort, pain, or stiffness, don't judge this. Just simply notice it. Then on your next breath, allow the legs to dissolve in your mind and move the sensation into your lower back and pelvis, softening and releasing as you breathe in and out. Slowly move your attention up to your mid back, upper back. Become curious about the sensations here. You may become aware of sensations in the muscle, temperature or points of contact with as you exhale, experience the arms soften and release tension you're carrying in those areas. As you continue to breathe, bring your awareness to your chest and your heart region. And then just notice your heartbeat. This is an area where we can have tension often 
be with the sensation here. It could be tightness or rigidity. And on your next out breath, shift your focus and direct your attention to your scalp, your head and your face. Notice the movement of air as you breathe in and out of your nostrils or mouth. And as you exhale, you might notice the softening of any tension you may be holding. It's just a short opportunity to get connected with our body and lose some of those racing thoughts that may be going through our head. And while this may have been too long for some of you and others may have wanted to do this forever, we're gonna to get to our show because I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today. Her name is Rachel Hennigan and she is from Chicago, Illinois. She's the mother of four, she's 37, mother of four, two are deaf, autistic, and two are, are neurotypical. She's a stay-at-home mom, parent advocate. Her husband's an engineer, and she's been married for 10 years. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, four children, can you tell us a little bit about the ages and who kind of is characterized as what? My oldest is 11 and he's deaf autistic. My second oldest is 10, and he's deaf autistic. My next one is four, and the other one is one. So this journey started 10 years ago? It started about nine years ago, nine and a half, when my second son was born. We okay. kind of, he, he failed his newborn hearing test, and so we kind of waited around, and the doctor just said since he was born at 36 weeks, his ear canals were too small. And we heard this excuse for 10 months, I think. And finally, we just said, you know, we're going to switch pediatricians. And as soon as we did that, he sent us to get his head scanned in what's called a sedated AVR. So they put him to sleep and checked his brainstem response to sound and found out he has hearing loss. And then they had us check our oldest son because he wasn't talking at two and a half and he had the hearing loss too it wasn't it's on a spectrum so it wasn't as severe but it, it was there i hear this all the time about doctors either saying it's just a delay or kind of pushing it off what's the process that you went through i mean did you believe the doctor at first i would imagine the hearing loss, yes. And honestly, I was relieved it wasn't autism at the time because the hearing loss, I, I knew that you could just put some hearing aids on and I, I went to school to learn sign language. So I, I'm fluent in sign language, but that's what I thought at the time. I was and like, then, thank God it's not autism. And then as time goes on, the pediatrician's not cutting it anymore because you no. know that something's, something's going on. Yeah, I just didn't like what she was telling me. So we switched. He sent us for a sedated ABR. And that's when she said it's probably it's hearing loss. He's going to need hearing aids. And that was when my 10-year-old was 11 months. So did that rock your world or were you a little more prepared because you knew um, something up or how, how did that go? No, that one scared me. The first one scared me because I, I didn't know what to do. My husband was like, well, maybe we should stop having kids. Like it was basically the world was over. Yeah. I was going to say on the ride home, I started thinking about it because I, I wasn't done having kids. And I was like, you know what? Senior year, it's, there was someone that knew sign language. There was a deaf kid in my class. That's the way we're going to go. So I had five kids within six years. And so we didn't know the special needs were there. And, you know, pregnant with 
the next kid's coming. We weren't done having kids. Your world gets rocked. You're not done having kids. I mean, how do you process? How do you move through that kind of experience? I would say you find a community and you cling to that community. I clung heavily to the deaf community and adopted a lot of their terminology and belief and instilled that in my own kids. But kids evolve and go their own ways. And now one of them does not sign and the other one relies more on sign than the other one. So you just joined the deaf community at this point in time? I started joining events. I started joining Facebook groups. I started learning sign language. I enrolled them in a a DHH program that was specifically for deaf kids. And that one, they stayed in that program. There's one of them still in there. Did you hit the ground running like this when you pretty much? Yeah. Once I decided we were going sign language route and we found a school that it was pretty much self-explanatory after that. And till we got a second diagnosis. I will say. Is this your personality to like when the shit hits the fan to start making things happen? I mean, because I mean, I hit depression and anger like before I was able to start making moves. Can you tell us, does this like. I think I handle chaos better than calmness. I can react better under chaos. I'm an emergency. Uh, When life is falling apart, I feel like I can put it back together. I still had feelings, but. That I couldn't sit there and dwell on my feelings very much because it wasn't about me. It was about my kids. And don't get me wrong, hearing family members to this day, they will judge my kids and say, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen to them. They'll be fine. They'll look at them weird. But it's thought challenge. That's, That's all I could say, thought challenging that. Have you and your husband been on the same page on how you handled this or how you reacted to it? No, I don't think so. I went off on the sign language, learned sign language. He's always been, I'm going to support you no matter what you say, but he's more the bring home the money work. He plays with the kids. He's an amazing father, but he didn't learn sign language. He knows a few signs enough to, you know, stop, finish. But we have deep conversations about, you know, their education and their academics and the plan going ahead. It's not like he's left out, but he's, definitely open when something is clear right in front of him, like something's happening. We have a discussion. I mean, that's amazing. I love seeing relationships work together and stay together because the statistics aren't good for relationships together. And when they don't stick together, a difficult situation becomes sometimes much more difficult. So absolutely. Yeah. Because I know it's not easy. No, that's not. It, he works third shift, too, and third shift changes you as a person. So then you have to deal with personality changes for the whole family because the dynamic changes. What does a difficult day in your household look like with the dynamics of the unique needs of your household? Let's see here. So my husband leaves at 5 Let's because he works a 12-hour at night sometimes. So he leaves at 5 p.m. He wakes up at 4. He cooks the dinner. He cooks a meal, which is generally hot dogs it's simple meals he leaves at 5 15 then it's me in charge of bath and cleaning up and homework everybody goes to bed then i get up at six he gets home at six and we do school and then he goes to sleep i wake him up when the kids get home and it's the same thing all over again and how did the kids interact with one another the two older ones the deaf autistic ones they're like inseparable they love each other They can't find other friends out in 
the community that are like that bond. But they pick on the younger ones a lot. So that's difficult because there's biting and there's pushing and there's not so much anymore. But when we first brought my daughter home, my youngest was six. And he to this day, they still go back and forth. Was the second doctor the the final doctor that helped you kind of navigate through the different diagnosis or? When we got to second grade, that's when we kind of noticed something else was up. It wasn't just deafness anymore. So we asked him about ADHD and autism and told him something, something's up. It's not, he can, he's been reading since he was three and he's not comprehending anything was the problem. So the pediatrician filled out a couple of questionnaires. Teachers filled out and said he had ADHD. Third grade, something was still not there. Like we called it it in IEP meetings, the it that he has, because there was something that was just off. And finally, I convinced my husband to go allow me to go do a neuropsych eval. And that's when we got the autism, ADHD, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia. So, And how... Was that more difficult? Was that a, another bomb? Let's see, 2013 was when we got the hearing aids. And then 2021, both of them were diagnosed with autism. And at that point, I was relieved because there was an answer to the quirkiness, if that makes sense. Did the hearing aids make a big impact? Yes, yes. The hearing aids helped, but they also hindered too because they don't like loud noises. So if they hear loud noises, one of them will react different than the other. My oldest will just hide or he'll take off his hearing aids. My other one will tolerate it, but he will have a meltdown later when he gets home. Any aha moments along this journey that stand out for you? You know, I, I was feeling sorry for myself up until recently. Like, why, why isn't anyone helping me? Woe is me. And just recently, I've turned it around to like, this world isn't going to help me. Like, this is why I believe in labels. And most people don't. I believe in labels and I believe in saying special needs because unless society changes and starts thinking, I'm going to build a house and I need a wheelchair ramp, I need a light doorbell, I need all these other things for all these differently abled people, we need to say special needs. Otherwise, people are not going to think of special needs. They're just going to think of needs as a collective whole. That was my aha moment is just owning it. Like, I went to a board meeting last night and I'm like, hi, my name's Rachel and I have ADHD and severe social anxiety. So I'm here and I can't help whatever happens going forward. I love that. I recently went through the, tried to move out of the feeling sorry for myself process. Mm -hmm. It's kind of magical. I mean, there's, it is, it's a real magical like evolution in my life. And I have to imagine for others, can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what it was like, what happened and what it's like now kind of thing. Now, now you sound like I'm in an AA meeting again, because that was a challenge too. I love that. It's freeing is this, is the word I can say, because I don't feel sorry for myself when I'm around family members. I limit my kids. I won't go to a Christmas gathering if I know that they're going to be judged and ignored because they're different. I don't care if it's family or not. They get that at school. They don't need to get that at family events. So that it's empowering too to say, these are my kids and I can't protect them in the world, but I sure as hell can protect them from family. So. Yeah. 
I like turning it around and making them feel like they're the the idiot. Like, like, why is he doing that? Why doesn't he eat pop tart? Or, or he only eats pop tarts for breakfast? I'm like, because he has autism. Duh. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I had a lady on the show yesterday, and I. It was. I, the story was something like there was an 80 year old guy who you know was kind of can't you, you know can't you keep your child contained you know in a in a public area or something like that and she she yelled out he has autism what's your excuse yes yes <laughs> that that kind of ownership right there because if we don't talk about it other people are just going to see it like that behavior yeah yeah that sort of reminded me of that um, yep. What do you do for yourself? How do you take care of you through this challenging process? I don't really like my hair's like this. I shower once a week. I wear the same clothes for like three days in a row because I don't have time for me to be honest, but I will someday. I know it's important, but I get fulfillment out of helping my kids and going to meetings and you know, my kids being treated differently at school, I call an emergency IEP meeting and that kind of stuff I look at as for myself because it's empowering. That's beautiful. I wish I That's could. That's all I got right now. Like I don't got anything else. So if I don't call IEP meetings me time or like 2.30 in the morning me time, then I got nothing. So. Yeah. Are there any products or services that you use for yourself or your kids that you just couldn't live without? Any part of me? Like any products and services that, that really help your kids or your family that you just couldn't live without? Easter Seals is huge in our area. I know that they're across the country, I believe, but we went to Easter Seals and they were they have affordable hearing aids and they've always just helped us. And early intervention or in some other states, it's maybe the Birth Through Three program. That was huge for us too. Is Easter Seals uh, for a specific... I don't think so. I think it's all kids because they have audiology. They do physical therapy and OT. It's mainly for all special needs kids, regardless. Cool. Cool. Yeah. What's the best advice you've received? Pick your battles. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? Facebook groups and communities. Facebook groups are huge. This podcast and this community is huge. And talking about it, advocacy. Yeah, you mentioned that the jumping into the deaf community was mm-hmm. was super valuable for you. Yep, and now I've switched my focus to the autism community because I got to learn about that community now too and what terms are up and what terms are not okay to use because that's what I got to teach my kids next. Yeah. What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? Me time time away from the kids like weekly so is there a solution today like is there is there an angle or a time slot you're that you could pull out for yourself not really we don't have a lot of help for babysitters i'm sure i'm not the only parent who doesn't have a babysitter besides a grandparent because you i don't trust anybody else with my kids i have my middle one bolts when he's angry or they leave the house and don't tell anybody and they'll be in the backyard they're fine but I don't trust anybody else. So I don't, if I leave him with my husband, it's not for a couple hours. My one-year-old doesn't eat from anyone but me. So. Wow. Yeah. If it's not challenging enough, you can only eat with you. No, but it's, it's not, it's not permanent. And I know this, it, it will end sooner or later, probably later, but. Have you, have you always had this kind of um, 
the emotional intelligence to know because because sometimes in the depth of depression, I mean, I can't, I might intellectually know it's not going to end, but I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It sounds like you're practical. I was not at the end of COVID or at the beginning of COVID. And I got to say when I, because I struggled with sobriety 14 years ago before I even got pregnant. And that program gave me a lot of tools to work with today. It's the thought challenge. At the beginning of 2020, when COVID set in, I was depressed and I was just sitting on the couch there were a lot of suicidal thoughts. I would just look at the mess in the house and I couldn't find out where to start. Couldn't do it. So I, the only thing I knew was to call for help. So I called my OB and he upped my antidepressants and that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the next year they were upped again. And I'm not afraid of medicine. I encourage it because it's helped me a lot. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. What's your biggest challenge today? Like, what's your biggest, what causes you the most anguish or difficulty? Finding a diagnosis, because I suspect my daughter's high-functioning, too. She doesn't have the deaf gene, but I think she's high-functioning, and those are often not not noticed right away. We didn't find the other two until they were in third grade. Remind me of her age again? She's four. She's four? But she's very, all her behaviors are the same as my 11-year-old. Most of them are. She's got a little bit more leniency on food groups, but she's, she's energetic, which I understand. Girls and boys, autism is very different in that area sometimes. But then again, I have two kids. My oldest are on the autism spectrum. So is that all I see? Mm. I don't know. Do your kids know that there's something unique they know that they're deaf my oldest knows he has adhd because he takes some medicine to help him stay calm and focus my 10 year old he knows he has i told him he's got he's really smart i don't think i said that he has autism i may have because i compared him to elon musk and said elon musk is just like you he's really smart and i think i did use the word autism because it was right around autism awareness week when he was diagnosed and so we were talking about it do they? He was excited about it. I don't. <laughs> I okay. must have presented it in a good way because he was like, oh, cool. My son's very low functioning. I don't think he knows. I don't know what he knows. I don't even know if he's happy. That's It's a challenging one. Yeah. My daughter, she's eight. And I don't know if she knows that she's different or not. But I've talked to, I've interviewed some people on the show. And that's a challenging hill Mm. for some of these people to get over but when they get over that hill they're amazing human beings it's that's where i'm at now i have not gotten over that hill i've interviewed some people that have made it over that hill and have found the what's special about them and unique about them and it's it's like it's so inspiring to have a conversation with them at that level of emotional intelligence Yes, I I would be looking forward to that. We're close, but not not quite there because there's my middle schooler. He's the 11 year old. He's just starting to figure out, you know, I can't mom can't help you if you don't communicate because he does not tell me if his throat is sore or if his you know arm is broken. He'll say he's fine and continue on with life. But he's now noticing that if he talks to me, I can have a conversation with him about what is happening. So it sounds like you you get a lot of satisfaction out of 
you know, you sound like a, a awesome mom. Um, you sound like you're very involved. What brings you the most joy in your family? Seeing growth in my kids. It's the little steps. The first day that no, the first time my kid could be in a birthday party without screaming at the happy birthday song. The first step my daughter took, and she was 20 months, I think, when she started walking. She was real late. The first sign that all my kids signed. I still remember those. It's the little things. That's so cool. Because it takes, it took a long time to get to some of those. And sometimes it takes years to get a mama out of, I think my son was four when he said mama for the first time. Hmm. So it's those moments that keep me going. What do you say to the parent that just got the diagnosis or knows that there's something with their child, but they're struggling to get the diagnosis? What do you say to that person who's at that part of the journey? I don't want to say it gets better because that didn't help me in the beginning. I would say, hang on. The ride gets more interesting. I wouldn't say better because it's not always better. I would say it gets more interesting. Do you get better at handling things that challenged you before? I get better at handling the judgment from family members, I think. But at parenting... No, because like, I still yell. I'm human. I'm going to yell. I swear it keeps me from possibly hitting. I, I'll be honest, I <laughs> spanking, but I lost my train of thought. I <laughs> wish you could get all the family members in the world that have special needs in their family. And I would use a lot of swear words and a lot of yelling to try and get my point across because it's such garbage that we have to, is family should be the ones that we're able to be at ease with. And, and yeah. most of the time, that's like the biggest difficulty for people the, that's causing yeah. the most anguish is somebody's mom or grandma that's not accepting. And yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why we don't bring them around. Like my dad will look at them weird and say, well, what, are, why are they doing that? And well, they're going to be okay. And I'm like, well, we just don't invite them to anything anymore. We find an excuse out of Christmas. All right. Well, for the parents that are listening right now, come on, guys. Like, let's let's figure yeah. out a little more supportive, please. What's something you're excited about? Like, what's something that's exciting for you that's on the horizon for you and your kids or uh, uh, one kid in particular? I took on a school board for full day kindergarten for my daughter. I believe that kids with invisible disabilities fly under the radar until much later in their academic career when it becomes a problem. And I do not think that charging $3,600 for all day kindergarten in a public school system is right. So I am taking on school boards now as my next challenge. If like there wasn't enough to do with their unique needs, take on the school board, but 30, I, like I said earlier, I thought public school was free and now you have to, yeah. you have to pay For all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that you succeed in that. I, I brought up earlier before the show, I was talking to you about that organization sounds of autism and I'd love to mm-hmm. talk to you about that because there may be a way that the organization in your state can assist in some of the things that you're doing. Mm. And just a conversation we should have I think, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I look forward to that. So just kind of like from what we've talked about or just what's on your heart for the listeners in Naked Parent Nation, what do you, what kind of closing thoughts do you have? 
be the person you needed when you were younger. That's my quote. I needed someone to fight for me when I was in school. I had academic difficulties, ADHD. That's my driving force now is I do not want my kids going through that. So be the person you needed when you were younger. I'm so glad you brought that up. I would have been so bummed if I missed that because when I read it, I loved it. I loved it. I'm going to use that today and moving forward because there were some people I needed when I was younger. Mm, I just love that. Be the person that you needed when you were younger. That's my quote. It's on everything. I'm I'm super grateful that you took the time to be on the show with us today. I appreciate your authenticity and straightforwardness. I commend you on the role that you've taken on. It's a big job, a big job only by my imagination because nobody knows your job like you do. So Mm -hmm. I hope you give yourself credit. I hope you know what a great mom you are and I hope we stay connected and I'm going to follow up with you regarding that organization anyways, but I just want to thank you and wish you and your family all the best. Thank you. You too. Naked parent nation. We're in this together. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye, Rachel. Bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes And we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long.